Welcome to the Get to Vet podcast, where we bridge the knowledge gaps in the military transition process so you can focus on what's ahead. Hey there, Get to Vet. Trevor Maxwell here for our second episode of 2022. And with me, as always, is my partner in podcasting. Mike Riggs. Great to be here today. Yep. Looking I'm forward. excited. Yeah. I'm excited for today's show because this is uh, an, a subject that I wish we would have covered a long time ago. Um, and our guest today, I'm great. I'm very grateful for him coming on here. Um, he had reached out to me uh, a couple months ago. Uh, after, you know, Mike and I had found out that a, a former teammate of ours had uh, taken his own life. And, you know, I really appreciated uh, the reach out and uh, wanted to have him come on here because he's doing something else. Uh, another He's got another project of his that he's working on that I think is a very uh, awesome thing. And I wanted to have him talk about it today. So Sean Bacon, Sean, introduce yourself. So my name is Sean Bacon. Um, I, I never served myself, but uh, my father uh, was in the army. Uh, my father-in-law was in, uh, actually served in Korea in the army. And uh, our son, um, Jason uh, Finan, he was a, a, an EOD chief. Uh, he um, actually served for 13 years uh, and we lost him back in uh October of 2016. And, you know, I know Mike and I knew that, uh, we, we were East coast guys, so we never got to work with them. But, uh, you know, shortly after that was, you know, I think, uh, another incident, Scott and I, or Mike and I had lost our, our former teammate, Scott Dayton. Um, which I, I, you know, I think that was, it was just about a month after Jace had, uh, been killed in action. And that, yeah, that was a, that was a tough one. That was uh Thanksgiving day. Um, yeah. Oh, I was, yeah, we've sure talked was. about it here on the show. I was, I was sitting on my mother-in-law's back porch and I had gotten, you know, <clears throat> five or six text messages all from guys from like my generation. And I was like, immediately when I saw that, I was like, Oh man, this isn't good. And you know, when I saw, who it was, I, you know, I kind of just broke down in tears there. Everybody's talking and having a good time. And I just start bawling. And, um, you know, I think Mike was the first person I called after I could actually, you know, talk again. And, you know, I think that was <clears throat> a, a big thing that kind of led to the, the whole genesis of this, right. My own journey of like, you know, thinking like, Hey, you know what, one of the things that was really important to Scott was, was brotherhood. And I think that is to, to most of us that they get into those types of communities. And I thought, well, you know, how do I foster, help to foster a, a bigger sense of that? Cause it was something that a lot of us had felt uh, was slipping away. And, you know, so that's been my, my personal journey. And, and, you know, again, too, Sean, you had reached out, uh, after we had found out that, a, that another former teammate of ours had lost his life. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's ironic. Um, uh, unfortunately, when, uh, you know, the anniversary of our, of, of Jace's uh, passing, um, that teammate was, was actually with me. Uh, we had, we'd gotten together at a, at a little bar in, uh, in San Diego and, um, we're all getting together and, and just, you know, kind of convincing about stories about, uh, you know, all the, all the team guys called, uh, called our son, JJ. We, you know, we call him Jace, but, uh, you know, it was JJ this and JJ that, and you know, what, what's, uh, you know, we need to get together again, you know, soon, um, out, outside of this, uh, <clears throat> But then I got the news, you know, not not much after that that, that we lost <laughs> your guys's, you know, your, your guys' teammate, and it was uh, pretty pretty devastating because just seeing the guy, um, it was uh, you know, it was like we just we just talked and we're gonna 
you know, he goes, I'm up in, I'm up in South Orange County, you know, a fair bit. So let's, let's get together sometime. I was like, <clears> yeah, come on, let's, let's do it. Yeah. So I'd, I would served with that guy. Uh, my first mobile unit was, was with him and uh, the, the guy we just lost recently. And then uh, I was back at mobile unit two and was with him again. And I think, weren't you guys, you guys were in Baghdad when he was over there, weren't you Trevor? Yeah. I think I remember going through there when I was yeah. visiting you guys when I was in uh, Habanita, Fallujah. Yeah, back in 07, 08, I think, and he was supporting the CRIF or CIF or whatever we were calling it at that time. Yeah, I was, that was, we were at Team 2. We were uh, at Camp Blue. It was all the north, the north end of Biop. We had this yeah. big, huge soft compound there. And there was like four or five different uh, task force working out of there. And he was, him and uh, <clears throat> Matt Paddock, I think, were over there. Yep, uh, that's right. Working together because we go over there and just hang out with them. And I was trying to get some thermobaric grenades from because we couldn't get them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and they, I think I was trying to track them down. They're like, "Oh yeah, if you need to find Coop, he's always in his rack." So I went and found him. <laughs> and and sure enough, he was in his rack. He was asleep, and I'm like, "Hey, dude." Uh, what what's up and i'm like hey seriously can you can you hook up with some thermobarics and he's like yeah yeah sure man i'm like what, what are you sleeping all the time he's like bro if you sleep half the day you only do half a deployment I'm like right on uh, never oh. forget that <laughs> so that, that was the way coop approached life so and then once again he was one of my instructors uh at, when i was back at the schoolhouse as a cmc uh from uh 16 to 18 and uh he went back to the west coast again uh, Man, he's just such a such a free spirit, man. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, know it's uh, it's amazing because I've even I've even talked to some of the guys at the at the schoolhouse. Um, Cliff Frazier uh, kind of got me in with uh, one of the last classes um, with uh, one of the junior junior officers, and they did a they did a piece on uh, on Jays. Nice. So, yeah. yeah, I was looking at his bio because, uh, like, I, like Trevor and I both. I mean, I did Moby and eight, Moby two, then twelve, and then six. So, and, and the group two. So, I the only time I was ever out on the West Coast was when I luckily got to go out to an RWG or you know readiness working group, or I got to go out for team train or uh, you know the beginning when we left the UD school and we got to go out there. And I enjoyed every bit of being out in San Diego. I was just wasn't lucky enough or brave enough to go out there and. Uh, get get real estate out there so uh <laughs> but i uh, i, I it, envy the ones who are out there though it's definitely not for the faint of heart that's for sure no but i was looking um, at at jj's bio and it really resonated with me you know because i remember you know he he went through like ica school i think and, and like trevor and i we went through he was a fc and i was an et electronics technician and went to the fleet and and i did a little bit longer fleet appreciation but I can remember going after doing some time in the fleet and it was like, okay, uh, I, there's gotta be something else. And yeah. I don't know if that was the same thing for him, but it was for me. And I remember going through like dive school and I remember doing pool hits and me at the bottom of that pool getting tossed around. I'm like, uh-uh, I'm not going to the surface. There's no way I'll stay down here. That I'll be passed out on the pool deck or whatever, but I, I'm not quitting. There's no, I'm going to get through this no matter what. Cause I just, I envision because back then we were all wearing dungarees. I envisioned my dungarees being on the side of the pool deck. They weren't, but I envisioned them, the old prison looking uniforms that we used to have to wear in the Navy. I remember them with bell bottoms. I remember them, you know, just stacked neatly on the side of the pool deck. And that was my prize on the side of the pool. If I decided to quit. So there was no, no chance of that happening. And uh, yeah, so it was, it seemed to have very, they seem to have a very similar path of going to the fleet and then realizing what better things, greener pastures were to lie ahead. <laughs> yeah. So, so Jace actually, um, we'd actually talked him out of, out of joining the Navy uh, early on and, and asked him to, uh, you know, get some school under his belt and see, you know, see what he thought. And then, you know, we said, Basically, if you if you're still so inclined, you know, we're behind 110 um, percent. 
So he had talked to uh, he had talked to the recruiting office and, and everything else. And the guy said, you know, if you go in, um, go in with a job. And, you know, Jace's uh, Jace's passion was getting into something that was more like a brotherhood. Um, <clears throat> and uh, the guy, the recruiters basically told him, you know, if you if you take this path of I semen, then you are, you know, kind of working your way into a, a good position for moving moving around in the in the navy so he was he was you know straight up with him on, on that and then uh on his uh on his first deployment he got to uh because of his job got to meet up with uh, one of the eud teams from uh washington state and started working out with them um and whatnot, and it was you know kind of kind of cool because uh, we were we were talking through that deployment, and he had said you know first I was supposed to go meet the boat in uh, he was on the Reagan, so he was, you know I was supposed to meet the boat in uh, in Hawaii and do the Tiger cruise back. He calls up uh, you know just before just before they're hitting Hawaii and says Dad I can't have you come out. Um, you know, I, I said, dude, it's, you know, it's your job. It's, it's okay. If, if it happens, it happens. Uh, and that's when he said, you know, came back and said, yeah, I've got, uh, you know, I got accepted into the EOD program because of the guys that he had met, uh, from, from Washington <clears throat> state. So, um, you know, that was his first, his first deployment. And it, like I said, he, he wanted the brotherhood. He, he didn't uh, didn't really like the the, the boat life. <laughs> then when he had to do another uh, another deployment on uh, on another carrier um, as a as a technician, he was uh, he was hating it every every bit of the way. You see, <clears throat> that's kind of a, a pretty similar story to mine. Uh, <clears throat> I I had done I was on my second. Uh, deployment and I had started working out with the EOD detachment and that's how I got into EOD school but uh, and that second deployment well the first deployment was supposed to do all this stuff but then 9-11 happened so we got turned around and stayed out in the ocean for like 95 days or something like that um, my second deployment same thing my dad did the tiger cruise right they met us in Mayport and you know they got on the ship and then we went up to Norfolk and uh and then after that like a couple months after we had gotten back I was out of there I went over to mobile unit two to be what they called a mud pup where you just get to I like the way they made it sound they're like yeah man you just work out all day and then you like sweep some floors well, what it didn't mean by working out was you get beat down every day by everybody who's a diver or an EOD tech um, so yeah, I was pretty strong when I left there. You had your normal two or three hour PT in the morning and then the rest of the day you're, you're supposed to, the whole intent is you're supposed to go out with the teams and, you know, they, they bring you along as like a little helper. They teach you some things that you'll need to know. Um, and they did, they, you know, they taught us some stuff like, you know, get, get your back straight and, and quit being a little bitch. And, uh, so those were, those were. So that was, uh, I think we got some introduction into doing flutter kicks while you're being, uh, I don't want to say waterboarded. I don't know what they call it when they just stick the hose right in your face, <laughs> cover your mouth and nose the whole time. But It was training. Yeah, no, it was, it was, I loved it, man. That was probably the easiest time of my naval career. I was a second class, so I was the guy in charge. So I probably got beat down a little bit more than everybody else did, but <clears throat> I didn't mind. I, I, you know, think about that time and I'm like, wow, that was, that was probably the easiest time of my career. Like, you know, tell all the other mud pups to go clean shit and farm them out to the teams. And, you know, at the end, have our two to three hour PT session in the morning. And then in the, <clears throat> in the afternoon, when we thought we were going to get out of there at a reasonable time, some new guy from one of the teams would walk in and, 
turn our formation into like a two or three hour just beat down. So <laughs> every day I had to go home and wash my uniform and iron it and make sure I look good again the next day. And um, just so you could do it all over again. Yeah, it, it wasn't as it really wasn't that bad now that I look back on it. Um, but yeah, that, that's <laughs> that's funny because that, that's pretty similar to how my my own story went when I came into the community. It, it truly is a brotherhood. I mean, you guys, uh, you got to You got to be. It, it's uh, you know, you you've got each other's back, and and you know, everyone on your team has has yours. So you you got to have that uh, that trust. Yeah, I know we were talking about it before we started recording, but you know, as I mentioned in that, you know, during my retirement ceremony in the pre-reception, post-reception, and it was like a weekend. It was almost like a I think it went four days long, probably. But, uh, you, you know, my, I had a bunch of people come in town and some folks I had served with when I, prior to my UD career. And then, you know, a lot of family came in from West Virginia and some of the folks that actually managed to escape West Virginia. Um, but the overwhelming message that they would say to me was, you know, wow, you, you guys are, very you have a very strong relationship you know you, you guys have each other's back there's no question about that you know it, it, you know it's just like you you guys are brothers you know i'm like oh yeah because we are that, that's yeah you know it's uh and the, there's no doubt about that yeah we you know we found that out uh very quickly right after uh everything went down um and, uh, you know, a couple of, uh, couple of Jason's shipmates at uh, mobile unit three, um, you know, just, uh, if it weren't for them, we, you know, uh, it, it was a complete shit show anyways, but, uh, <laughs> we, we wouldn't have been able to, uh, to make it through. Um, you know, they, uh, gave us, gave us some really good direction and, you know, kind of kind of helped us through the whole process so it was uh it, it was huge um you know and and with with jace being deployed with uh with seal team um he he had multiple nsw um deployments as well so uh, both team three and team five uh have kind of embraced us as well um so it's, uh, you know, as a, as a civilian, um, finding that brotherhood and, and actually getting, uh, kind of getting accepted into, uh, <laughs> you know, having them call me, call me shipmate and whatnot is, uh, is kind of, kind of, kind of crazy. Uh, you know, the team, uh, came back and they all got, uh, tattoos of their, uh, uh, you know, the, of the last platoon, um, patch. And they said, dad, we're missing one. So <laughs> I ended up with, uh, with, a some ink of, uh, of their last patch. So that's awesome. Uh, yeah. But it, uh, where is it? It's not on your butt cheeks, is it? <laughs> nice. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And well, I, I mean, I think that's one thing that, that, the uh, those communities, SEAL community, EOD community <clears throat> are very, you know, I, I think because of that <clears throat> warrior culture that they try to maintain, they're very, um, you know, honoring those who have gone out and, and pay the ultimate price. Um, I know that's, that's a big thing for a lot of them. And, and I still, you know, all the um, EOD teams and SEAL platoons and, you know, ODAs and stuff that I've worked with throughout my career. I'm still in touch with those guys. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> I'm actually probably just as close, if not closer to those guys than I am my actual brothers. It's, it's just kind of weird how you, how you form those really strong bonds with those people that you go through a tremendous amount of adversity with. And that's, it always reminded me of that saying, right? Adversity doesn't build character. It reveals it. Um, <clears throat> yeah. You know, you, you always wonder that, like whenever you form up a new team or go on a new platoon, 
you know, in the beginning, like the guys who don't know each other, you know, that was the thing about us as EOD guys. Every time we go into somewhere new, hey, we got to come in there again and prove that we belong with these guys because they don't know us from anything, right? So, yeah, yeah, it's it's that constant. That was one of the things that I really liked about that was you're constantly going back in there and and you know proving your worth. Which I, you know, some people are like, oh, that's terrible. Why would you have to do that? I'm like, no, that's the way it's supposed to be, right? That's why those organizations are, you know, a lot, you know, higher on the food chain than others because everybody who's there has proven that they belong there time and time and time again. And they'll have to do it the next time too. If, you know, talking about that, some of the guys, um, some of the guys I've talked to uh, have kind of, give me little tidbits of, uh, of stories of, you know, workups and whatnot. And, uh, they would, uh, they've all told me in, in different circumstances <clears throat> that, uh, all of the seal guys that, that Jace was with, um, were pretty much pissed because not only, you know, not only do you guys have to do your job, uh, when, when you're on a NSW deployment, but, you've got to, you've got to do all the workups with them and basically, you know, do, uh, be able to do their job as well. Um, but they would all say, you know, all these, uh, all of his, uh, team would say, you know, the seal guys were pissed because Jace was taking, uh, Jace, Jace was taking stuff that, uh, he shouldn't even been doing, you know, at, one of the seals that was in the, in the truck with him when, uh, when he passed, um, the, so he, uh, he had just told the, the seal leader behind him, shut the door. I can't see. Cause they were backing down, backing down the tracks. And, um, he had, uh, he had just shut the door and, and two seconds later, the, um, the IED went off, but, uh, the guy said, yeah, he, your son would, uh, we'd be getting ready to go into a, a building and he grabbed my shoulder and, uh, and push his way through, you know, the stories that, that, that come out are, are, are pretty, pretty crazy, but we've, we've been in touch uh, a number of times and, and we're supposed to go down to the new seal base in uh, in Imperial beach. I, uh, I saw them building that. I was out there, I guess it was before all the COVID stuff. Um, I was going out there to all the, uh, the new chiefs under group one, uh, EOD group one and, and doing like briefs for them. Like, Hey, you know, here's how to talk about, talk to your junior sailors about their finances and stuff like that. And, uh, I remember going out there and seeing that and I was like, holy shit, that is amazing. Like the, they just built them like an entire little base there. And cause yeah, <clears throat> San Diego real estate is, is prime. And, oh yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the last time I had been to Coronado, I was like, I had seen all the new stuff that they built there and I was like, Oh my God, this place is getting really, really crowded. Um, yeah, so um, a few years before, uh, you know, before our Jason uh, had actually moved into um, IB, and uh, it was close to, you know, it was a little bit out of his price range, but close to home uh, for, you know, for work and everything else. So that was that was good for him. But uh, yeah, the the price of real estate has just gone gone it's skyrocketed but uh when they started building you know that we we go down the strand there and he'd say yeah that's the uh, that's part of the military base and that's the they call it the elephant pen <laughs> and uh you know so then once they started building that uh that new base um and more and more of the of the team guys start moving into imperial beach it was just uh, a huge influx of uh of cash yeah well i you know that 
the previous time I had been down there, it was not, you know, I know some people they are like, Oh, I love it there. But um, I've heard that it's, it's starting to get nicer and nicer. Now there's a lot of more businesses and stuff being built there, um, which maybe next time I go out there, I'll, I'll go check it out. Um, yeah. But uh, you're, <clears throat> that, that, that place there, I just, I remember seeing that facility and I was like, dear God, like that, uh, you think about how much money went into that place and the facilities, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, it's probably an investment uh, well worth the, the amount of dollars that they invested into it. I, I understand it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. Um, but uh, yeah, so it'll be, it, it'll be interesting that, you know, the team, both the team five guys and the, and the team three guys have said, come on down. And um, I've been fortunate enough to meet a few of the uh, commanding officers that are, you know, kind of uh, going through there. So. Yeah. Well, that, like I said, I mean, that's, that's one of the big things, you know, a, a guy that Mike and I had used to work with uh, T- Tyler Trahan um, was, he was there at team 10. And when I went back later as, as a team chief of, of the EOD guys that were there at team 10, um, you know, they, they have a plaque on the wall along with all the other guys there from, from the team that had, uh, they made the ultimate sacrifice. And, you know, the, I think that one thing that's, that's kind of been their mantra over the years is like, Hey, we don't care. Like, you know, whether you were a seal or a support tech um, you know, if, if you're part of the team, you're part of the team, that's all there is to it. Um, And, you know, same thing too, with the honor foundation, there's a lot of, of folks in there. And and I think it's, it's good that they do that, um, that, you know, go out and do those supporting roles that you get to take advantage of, of all those programs that they have. So I'm a big fan of that. And, you know, while yeah, we're, Jason we're, actually graduated Tyler. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Cause they, yeah, they would have been around the, the same time. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I had wanted to talk to you about today is something that you're working on too. Um, and, and talk a little bit about your experience going through this, this whole process too. So, um, you've got something that you're working on now, uh, called gold star dads. And when you told me about that, I think this is the first time that we had chatted. Um, I was really excited to learn more about that. So there is a, there is a foundation, um, gold star dads of America. Uh, and you know, I, I, I don't want to take anything away from them. Um, but you know, I, I, I think as, as time goes on for, you know, for, for certain gold star families, um, it, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe they lose their, their passion, uh, or maybe it's, it's just something that, uh, time doesn't allow to, uh, to, uh, really continue, continue on. Um, I know there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of stories about foundations that, uh, go one or two years and all of a sudden it just goes by the wayside. Um, I, I think, you know, whether it, we, we've got to honor, uh, all of our fault, um, you know, our, our, certain, you know, in, in certain, uh, instances, we, you know, we, we've got gold star families and, um, you know, we've got white star families that, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's a huge, a huge deal. Um, and the, what I'm looking at doing with, uh, with mine, I don't, I don't want to get too far into it because it's still in its infancy, but, um, I want to support the gold, gold star fathers. Uh, and at some point, um, really get involved with, uh, with all of, all of our fallen, uh, and, and then also, um, doing stuff with, uh, with vets, uh, the vet center here in, uh, in South Orange County has, has been huge for, for myself and, and our family, um, and just really help 
supply a resource to uh, to these fallen warriors and, and their families. And so for <clears throat> as far as, you know, that, too, because that's that's something that I'm not that I'm not smart on that I that I wish I was smarter on. Um <clears throat> Because, you know, I know there's a lot of stuff for Gold Star families, but, you know, it's again, too, like I don't need, I do a military transition podcast and, and there's a lot that I don't know about it. So I got to imagine there's a lot of other people out there that don't as well. Could you talk a little bit about what some of the programs that are out there do for the families? So um, with with us, we uh because of, of Jace being on an NSW deployment, um, the Navy SEAL Foundation uh, has um, embraced our family uh, like no other. Uh, the UD Warrior Foundation also, you know, kind of came in and uh, has offered up uh, assistance um, for for everybody in the family. Uh, you know, Boulder, Boulder Crest, I, I had met uh, Ken Falk through some of the, um, you know, some of the events that we had, we had gone to and, and participated in. And uh, I know Boulder Crest is now doing, uh, doing a bunch with Gold Star families, as well as um, uh, recently just started doing stuff with White Star families. So, you know, it's big resources that, that we've, that I found um, that, that are helpful. Uh, and then um, the VA for uh, for us has been has been big. Um, we have a you know we have a local vet center that uh, that we're working with. Uh, my wife and I, um, you know, talking talking with them, and uh, they're actually kind of getting me involved with uh, with some outside. Uh, outside stuff with, uh, you know, with some of the other fallen, uh, most recently our, you know, our 13, uh, fallen in, in Afghanistan. Yeah. And we just, uh, if you, if you weren't following the show, we just had, um, Stuart Scheller on last week and, you know, I was thinking about that after we had talked to him and, you know, some of the stuff that he had gone through, <clears throat> you know, where everybody was questioning his mental stability and stuff. And I was watching that and I was thinking to myself, like, you know, if you, if you look at those, those videos that he made, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't, he didn't have any kind of mental issues. He was, he was mad about what happened. Right. Because there was, you know, there's a lot of decisions made that, that ended up, you know, costing the lives of those 13 uh, service members. And, you know, I don't, you know, we, we know like those of us who've gone down range and, and done the job, we know, Hey, that's, that's a, a risk that you take. Right. And we had all done it. Uh, you know, Mike and I have both volunteered multiple times to go out there and, and go do the job and just like Jace did and, and, you know, countless others. And, you know, we, we expect it. We know it's a possibility. Uh, and, and sometimes it, it does happen, unfortunately. Um, but you know, one of the things that, you know, talking to him last week, you know, this came to like, he wasn't mentally ill or anything like that. He was just mad about it. Right. And that's definitely anger is definitely something, uh, that one of those emotions, uh, cause I, you know, I, I, I don't have firsthand experience with this. I talk to a lot of people who, who work on these issues. Um, but I know, you know, there's a whole spectrum of emotions and stuff that you feel when you deal with that. And I've dealt with it with folks that I have known and cared about that have gone. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, the, the, the 13 uh, service members that were killed there in Afghanistan, that was one that, that made me really mad too, because we were just sitting there like, what, what was happening there that, that, uh, you know, those conditions that allowed that to, you know, <laughs> it was frustrating for me. Yeah. I can oh, even man. see it on the news. I mean, when they were starting those operations at the 
at the airport because they used to work nearby there. And when I in in uh, 2013, and I'd travel to the airport quite a bit when I would fly to some of the uh, outlying bases, and just to look at some of the the posture that was going on, I'm like, man, this is a there's gonna you know the possibility of Murphy Murphy creeping in right here is 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 highly likely and, and it did and you know it was just kind of I don't know it's easy you know it's it's easy to play Monday morning quarterback it, it always is but uh I don't know that, that one was tough to watch you know for for us um we had just gone through a a zoom meeting uh the night before um, with the Navy SEAL Foundation and, you know, they were talking about um, the, the drawdown and, and everything else. Um, and, you know, they were saying uh, was uh, Congressman Crenshaw and then uh, Sean Pivas. Um, and, you know, they were they were saying don't in any any form or fashion feel that uh, what your what your warriors have done um, is any less uh, of an honor um, because of, of the way that this is, this is transitioning. Um, and it was, it was comforting that night to, you know, to hear, to hear them talk and say, you know, we're trying to get this thing worked out properly uh, and make it, uh, make it so that we don't end up with any additional gold star families. Um, because it, you know, it, it could truly end up being a, you know, turning into a shit show. Um, and we, you know, and then I, you turn on the news the next morning and, and you get this news that, uh, unfortunately that was our, our Jason's birthday, uh, the 26th. And, you know, here we are, you know, loading 13, 13 additional uh, families into this club that uh, really none of us, um, none of us signed up for. And it's, uh, it, it's a, a very prideful, um, you know, a very prideful moment being, being uh, part of this. But it's also, you know, it, it also cuts that wound wide open again um, for, at least for me, uh, it, you know, it just it hurt like hell. Um, and knowing that there's, you know, 13 families that are that are going going to have to go through the same thing that uh, that we've already been through. Yeah, I think I have to confess I'm a dumbass. I think I said Kandahar Airport. It was the Kabul Airport. Pretty sure we'll edit that out. <laughs> um probably not you know, trevor likes to make fun of me so we make fun of each other we'll keep it in i'm sure oh yeah there's all kinds of <clears throat> we'll talk about it at arby's later i'm sure yep that's <laughs> that's another um, inside joke <clears throat> you know i like the uh like you said you can you can be a monday morning armchair you know armchair quarterback but uh i think there was a base uh outside of town that would have been uh, a hell of a lot easier for for us to uh get our allies um and our troops out of um and and not have that uh surrounding of of city that uh that created this issue yeah and i don't think it takes someone with a master's or a phd in national security to understand what was likely going to happen and what did happen and the same thing goes with i mean trevor and i both served in iraq and did multiple tours over there you know i can remember looking you know when we were there you know i served out in the al-ambar province primarily and then in, in the northern iraq up in the Tikrit area and we start looking at it you know what's going to happen here when we leave and i, I in my mind i was like you know what's going to happen it's going to be a vacuum when we leave it's going to be a vacuum and what happens in a vacuum things come rushing in and and things will fight for power and, and eventually the most powerful thing will win well guess what happened the exact thing the exact same thing happened 
I don't have a master's in national security. I got in something else, but it sure as hell is a national security. But I'm not on the, you know, I'm not a national security advisor uh, or, or anything like that. But it doesn't take a genius to figure these things out. And, and yet we still watch them play out time and time again. And it's yeah. just, it's frustrating. You know, like when we were talking to, to Stu Scheller about this, you know, it really brings back a lot of things, you know, things start to flood back, you know, memories and, 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 and things that we had when we were over there. It's like, man, these, it gets a little frustrating. I'll tell you, you know, um, and, uh, you know, and watching like the, the 13 that happened recently, you know, that's, it's tough to watch. It's tough to see those things happen when, you know, we could have done better. We should have done better. Should have done better. You know, and I, you know, I, I look at it and I know that, uh, I know that there was missions previously to, uh, to, you know, that, that Northern area and Mosul and, and whatnot. And, um, you guys, your teams, uh, had cleaned all that crap up and to, to know that our, uh, commander in chief allowed the, um, <laughs> allowed that to happen. Um, just, it, it, it's frustrating as hell. And, you know, I can only imagine how you guys feel about it because it's, uh, it's like we've already taken that over and we don't need to we don't need to do it again or we shouldn't have to do it again. Um, but it happened. And unfortunately, I end up losing my son because. I, well, I, I've got some <laughs> I, I've got some strong, uh, strong opinions on that one that I, I won't really voice. But. Uh, well, it's, uh, I understand where you're coming from, too. Right. Because he you lost a son and, and we lost a brother in arms and, you know, it, it just, but it, it doesn't really matter. You know, that's the big thing about having a strong community is, is, you know, everybody feels that loss because we all relate to that. We all know like, Hey, you know, that could have been me, um, you know, and it did happen. And, uh, you know, what like you said a, a month later, uh, I, you know, lost one of my best friends, uh, that I've ever had. Right. And I had known him since EOD school and we did our first team together and worked together. I know his kids, I watched them grow up and I still see them. Um, you know, I, I helped, uh, Kristen, um, <clears throat> set up her, her little memorial thing for Scott this year. And I'll tell you one thing that, that did make me really proud and, and, uh, was we, just seeing the hundreds of people that still showed up for that, even now, you know, five years later, um, you know, having That's that cool. many, many people there um, still come out for that um, made me, you know, really proud to be part of, of a community like that. And, you know, in the end, like it's, <clears throat> you know, I, I feel like the same thing happened in Vietnam. I read all the stories about the guys would go out and fight for three or four days to take a hill only to retreat and let the enemy take it over, you know, the very next day. Um, and it, it's frustrating. Um, but, and unfortunately, you know, like you say, war is the continuation of politics through other means. And anytime politicians are involved, uh, we know that there's going to be, something's going to get messed up because it's, you know, I think it's a sad reality that, that altruism and, and politics, and I don't, I don't like calling politicians leaders because they're not, they're, they're elected officials. Um, and unfortunately, like I said, I, I feel like there's, there's very little altruism there and I don't like having people make decisions who haven't been there themselves. That's why I'm super happy about seeing guys like Eli Crane, David Galooch, um, you know, Morgan Luttrell uh, running for office. And, um, you know, a couple, uh, not too long ago, the, the commanding officer of SEAL Team 8, Brian Bourgeois, was killed in a training accident. And, and, you know, as we found out some of the details of what happened, that really pissed me off even more because, of, of the, the details. I, I don't know all the details. I haven't seen the investigation, but I've talked to guys that 
that are still in and, and know, and it, it, I hate seeing um, <clears throat> something like that happen that, that didn't have to, because he was a great dude. I had worked for him back in 2009 in Baghdad at SEAL Team 4. And, you know, he had uh, a family, he had five kids and I was there at his memorial on Little Creek. There, there had to have been at least 2000 people there because we had wow. to go to other buildings on base and have them stream in the service. Um, but, you know, his son went up there and, and talked and I, I was <clears throat> standing, I think it was pretty much all of SEAL Team 4 was there in the same building I was in because I walk in and then there's all these young studs in their blues. And here's this old guy whose knees are making cracking sounds every two minutes. And um, <laughs> he, that's when I started to tear up when his son started speaking. And, but at, at the end of the day, I don't, you know, politicians are going to do what I expect them to do. Um, you know, I, it was funny. I saw Morgan Luttrell was there and I had met him before a long time ago when he was still active duty. And some of my guys actually had worked for him and so I said, hey, everybody was walking up to him like, hey, Marcus, hey, because they're twins. Right. So he kept coming up, calling him Marcus. He's like, actually, I'm Morgan. And <laughs> but I walked up to him. I was like, I know you probably don't remember me because it's been, I don't know, 10 years, whatever. But I do know that you're Morgan. And I just wanted to, to wish you luck on the the upcoming race. Um, but I think having people like that who have been out there and done the work, um, you know, is important because they have that perspective of, uh, you know, that, uh, I'll tell you this here, maybe I'll get some hate mail for this, but there, there was a, a speech that Bernie Sanders had given a long time ago where he said, Hey, if we're going to spend three or 4 trillion to send these guys out to war, the least we can do is, spend a few billion to take care of them after they get back. Um, <clears throat> I can't believe I just said that. I'm sure I'm going to get a ration of shit from all my friends, but I, I agree with that, right? That's if we're going to send folks out there to do this stuff. Um, yeah. We need to make sure that we're doing everything that we can to take care of them. And I, I feel like right now that's, that's not getting done because um, people weren't looking for the best way to do it. They're just, you know, they're, they're doing, they're giving political answers. Hey, how do I just, you know, move the needle a little bit and, you know, with the least amount of effort possible. Um, yeah, I've actually, um, been getting more involved with our local, uh, Elks, Elks Lodge, uh, who does, does some stuff with, uh, with veterans groups, um, you know, and just, just trying to, uh, really bring awareness to, um, to our vets because, uh, I actually ran into a, a Vietnam era vet, um, about a year ago now. And, uh, he had been fighting with the VA for 44 years. And it was like, how, how do we send you to war and, and basically shit on you for that long? You know, I, and I don't know all the circumstances. I'm not going to, you know, but but knowing that we've got guys that have protected our freedoms. Um, we need to we need to make sure that there's there's avenues for for assistance. Yeah, I'll tell you one of the things that really resonated with me when I was over there in 2013 and I worked in Kabul. I got it right this time. Good on me. Good job. Uh, yes. Uh, it was a it was a thing called Operation Proper Exit, and it was they brought guys back over who had been wounded pretty bad, and it, they could leave kind of on their terms, I guess. And there was a guy uh, by the name of Petrie. I can't remember his first name, but Petrie's a Medal of Honor awardee, and he was a Ranger. I, think, I don't know if he's still in. I think he's retired now, but he was a Medal of Honor awardee. I think there was a grenade that was thrown into where his fighting position, whatever he grabbed a grenade and was throwing it back and blew his arm off. Uh, but he was there with this group of guys who've been injured pretty bad. And some of them were double amputees. Um, a couple had been burned pretty bad. One guy was burned really bad. And um, we took him out to 
I was at the Special Operations Joint Task Force. And one of the things we did with them, we took them out to the range and let them shoot whatever they want to shoot and 40 mic mics and uh, whatever. And then we had uh, lunch with them. And after lunch, they did kind of a question and answer session. And, you know, we've been talking today about, you know, we do do things awesome. And I, we're not perfect on how we support Gold Star families and everything. We could always do better. But one of the things that really resonated with me that day is really kind of always lit a fire since 2013 was they were asking folks, you know, around the, that panel, like, hey, you know, hey, hey, what was kind of one of your most difficult things during your recovery, so on and so forth. And it went all, all around the room and every everyone answered. And it got to that there was an army guy, you know, straight green army guy. Um, and he was with a guy that was burnt real bad. And he said, you know what? My most difficult thing during my recovery was when I was evacuated and I went to San Antonio. You know what? During my entire time, my recovery, no one from my unit visited me. No one. And that's still to this day. It still pisses me off. But I swore that would never happen. Not to anyone I ever knew, not to anyone I ever work with, but we do so much better, you know, but it just, it's, it's sickening that that guy had to go through that, especially with those type of wounds. You know, can you just imagine being alone and in that much pain by yourself and never having your brothers come and visit you? That's just it's sick. Can't even imagine. But, you can't, know, can't I've, I've, yeah, I, I just from from here, I, I can still remember. I mean, that dude had scar tissue all over his face, didn't have any hair. And and I can still see, see his face to this day and still remember him answering that question and how it resonates with me. It'll, I'll never forget it. Um, but I swear from that day forward, I was like, that'll never happen while I'm on watch. Well, yeah, I, I remember, uh, you know, of course, it wasn't too long after Scott and I had finished school. One of the Marines that we had gone to school with had been killed. So he and I drove down to uh, Moby or down to South Carolina for his funeral. But the other one, the, the other Marine I was in school with, uh, Scott and I were, <clears throat> had been killed and his funeral was up in Arlington. And I remember Scott and I were like, we're going. And then you and, and Carl said, we'll go too in our, you know, Eric Brower was our, the senior enlisted guy for the stay at home team and said, Hey, you know what? I'm going to go to the group and get you guys TAD orders to go up there for the night. We'll get you a van to drive up there. You can get a hotel. Um, you know, and I, I think that's important being there for guys like Isaac Asbury. Uh, you know, when he had got wounded, he got medevaced my whole team, you know, we checked out a van and, you know, told the command, Hey, we're going up there for the day. We're going to go up to, to, uh, to Walter Reed and, and see him. And, you know, we saw a bunch of the other guys up there, Zach Waskell. Um, <clears throat> yeah, well, you, it was funny. Uh, one of the things that Isaac really liked was I kind of kept this a secret from everybody, but I had an old chair in my garage. So I, I sawed the leg off of it. And because he had lost his leg, <laughs> I had sawed the leg off and, and uh, I had given it to him later. Like, here, I, I didn't know if you would need this or not, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that was uh, more <laughs> like when you see people, a lot of people like, oh, my God, why would you do that? But it was like, you don't understand. Like when guys see you do shit like that, they think, Oh, cool. I'm still part of the club. They're still busting my balls. Well, that's what my wife says. She's like, you guys are so mean to each other. I'm like, you don't understand the minute we stop giving each other shit. That's there's a problem. Yeah. As long as you're giving, as long as somebody's giving you shit, you're good. When, when uh, Bobby Wood, he was my LPO when I was in Afghanistan, <clears throat> he came back after he had lost his right hand or most of his right hand, he had his little robot hand and we're all sitting there playing with it, like shoving it down our pants. Like, Oh, Bobby, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> or, 
or uh, Brad Snyder uh, was our, our LT. You know, he was blinded uh, when he stepped on an IED. He came and saw us. We all had lunch. And um, we're, we're all sitting there talking. Yeah, he had these these fake eyeballs. And, and it just looks it looks really real. So one of the guys is sitting there talking to him. And Brad's just shaking his head uh, like this. And he, he asks this kid a question on the team. And, and the kid just shook his head. And he goes, well well, are you going to answer me or not? And he goes, oh, shit, I forgot. You can't see me shaking my head. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody started laughing. <laughs> but, you know, Brad had a great uh, spirit about that, and then he went out and won a bunch of gold medals in the Olympics. Um, you know, guys with that kind of spirit just make you proud to have served alongside of them. And, um <clears throat> You know, another one, I, I love telling this story. Uh, this was me working in financial services. I had another guy, Zach Waskell, who had also lost his leg in Afghanistan. Him and his wife came into the office. They were looking, you know, for some help. And, uh, you know, we're sitting on the couch and him and, it, or him and his wife were sitting on the couch and me and this new kid, he was straight out of college. He got a degree in finance and wanted to come work in financial services. So we're sitting there talking and he was telling me about, you know, I got, I got fired from my platoon and, and I just, you know, as we were talking, I said, yeah, I guess you really didn't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> and this kid's face, you should have seen it, just this look of horror on his face. Like, did you, holy shit, did you really just say that to that guy? And meanwhile, Zach and his wife just bust out laughing. <laughs> But you know, that's the that's the camaraderie that you guys have. It's uh, as sick and twisted as some people uh, think it may be. Um, you know, I think that's how you guys get through your day because you you definitely are doing one of the you know if not the most dangerous job in the in the military. Yeah, it's um, up there. But yeah, well, you know, I, I, I think kind of the, the big thing here today is, you know, looking at, uh, I know, you know, we, we've always had that attitude of like, hey, if, if, if the system isn't going to do it for us, we're going to figure out a way to do it for ourselves. And I know there's a lot of organizations out there that are get dedicated to doing just that. And, you know, Sean, like what you're doing, working with Gold Star Families and, and being a gold store family, speaking from somebody who's who's been there and done that, you know, we really appreciate um, the sacrifice that you and your family have made. And, you know, we're glad that you've become a part of our family. And, you know, I'm glad that you and I, that you had reached out to me uh, a couple months ago and that you had taken the time to come on here and chat with us today. Um, well, I, I appreciate the opportunity yeah. and, um, you know, really... Uh, look forward once this thing gets, uh, get some legs, uh, would hope that, uh, we could kind of swing back around and, and, uh, chat about it more because, um, you know, it's, it is something that is dear to my heart. Um, I don't think that, uh, uh, our, our gold star families, um, you know, I, it, I think I've got a special circumstance because, because of the NSW ties. However, um, I, I think that, uh, we as, we as a community and, and I, I you know, I, I take that as a, a military community, um, even coming from a, a civilian perspective, um, really needs to, uh, help assist, uh, these families. Um, you know, there, like you said, Trevor, there's some, there's some incredible, uh, programs out there. Some, some awesome foundations that are doing wonderful work with, uh, you know, with our first responders and, and gold star families, but, uh, there can always be more, uh, more done. Completely agree. And so I know, yeah, we'll definitely you more than happy to have you come back on here. Um, to once things are up and running and hopefully, you know, 
uh, I'll, I'll definitely let you know if, if I'm out and find myself in California again, I'll, I'll give myself an extra day to drive up to Orange County and, and say hello. Cool. I, I hope so. Um, I, either one of you would love to, uh, would love to sit down and chat face to face and, uh, you know, a cup of coffee or a beer and <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Definitely take you up on that. Okay. All right. Um, actually, I'm, my, my territory for work is, uh, is actually growing. So I've got, uh, Louisiana and Mississippi just added to, uh, to my territory. So I get, get closer, closer to the, the East coast as, uh, as it goes. Nice. Yeah. Let us, well, too, that likewise, if you're in Virginia or close by, don't be a stranger. Uh, yeah, definitely hit me up. But yeah, we'll John, sure. we, we really appreciate you coming on here and, and chatting with us today. And, and we wish you all the best moving forward with your, with gold star dads. <clears throat> Thank you guys. Appreciate the, appreciate the time. Yeah, Sean. Right. Great talking to you. Good talking to you. Have a great day. Take care. You too. Thank you for listening to the get to vet podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and follow us on LinkedIn. If you'd like to come on the show, Email us at Mike or Trevor at gettovet.net. That's get the number two vet.net and let us help you get to vet.